With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. We are live here on Thursday. I am joined by Alex Curry, as always. This one is going to be a blast. The playoff race is heating up. We're going to pick one team we believe in and one team we don't from each side. It's also the first day of the football season, so we're going to do a little fantasy football draft for baseball players and, of course, Thursday trivia. This one's going to be a blast. Let's go. It's a blowout. Eighth inning, 10 Bases are loaded for Verlander, who waits out of the real pitch. He swings, and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. What is up, my friends? This one is going to be a lot of fun. I have Alex Curry out here with me. And one thing I need to say is Alex has been a member on this show now for a few days, and she already thinks she can start wearing a football shirt on our baseball show. What's the deal with that? It is day one of the NFL season. Rams are kicking it off tonight. I'm an L.A. native, and I'm calling Rams as back-to-back Super Bowl champs. Wow. Come at me. That's bold. Come at me. Um, I um so I was born into this, so okay. don't hate me for this, but I'm a Cowboys fan. No, I just feel bad for you. Yeah, you I, should. <laughs> you know, my dad was my dad got all of the glory years. He did. And I was just born into the mediocrity oh, and haven't had a lot of uh joy in my okay. life around football. But I do have joy in my life around baseball we all do and this is a baseball show whether you want it to turn into a football show with your shirt or not but where I want to start today with to talk about some of these races Uh now the AL wild card race and the NL wild card races are both intense right now so what I want to do and what we are both going to do is a little segment one up and one down where we're each going to pick one team that we believe in and one team that we don't believe in from each side of the league. Alex, you ready? I'm ready. All right, so let's start in the American League. The American League wild card race is good. I am a fan of what is going on here. We got the Rays at the top right now. This is wild card. This isn't the division. The Rays are in the top spot, followed by the Seattle Mariners, followed by the Toronto Blue Jays holding down the last spot, and then the Orioles and the Twins are the odd ones looking in from out right now. (laughs) So I'll go first. My one up, the team on the American League side that I truly believe in. I am wearing their shirt, the fun differential from last year, which I don't know if you know what that's from, but run differential is a thing in baseball. Their run differential last year was awful, but they said their fun differential is what makes them so good. So I'm rocking the fun differential shirt. My up is the Seattle Mariners. I really like this Mariners team. In fact, I think not if, but when they get into the playoffs. That's right. I I, I will say it right now. I believe 
that this the Seattle Mariners, the longest playoff drought in professional sports in America, it's coming to an end. I am willing to say that it's done. Case closed. You look at their schedule for the rest of September. Easy. As easy as it can get in baseball. It's not, you know, it's not a sure thing. You're obviously playing professionals. But they have the second easiest remaining strength of schedule in all of baseball. Their opponent's combined winning percentage for the rest of the year is 439. They have the Braves and the Padres. And then after that, listen to this. And I say this because this is big on why I believe in them. And then I'll get into why I believe in the team in a second. But after the Braves and the Padres, they finished their season with six straight series against the Angels, the Athletics, the Royals, the Rangers, and the Tigers. Not great. Unless you're the Mariners. In that case, it is great. I like this team a lot, and it's not just because of their remaining schedule. You look at that rotation. Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert. Who wants to, who wants to face those three? So if you, if you imagine this team in the playoffs, they match up so well with anybody they play. Since Luis Castillo has come over in that trade, seven starts, two and one, a 2.70 ERA, 51 strikes to 10 walks. He also tied an AL record on Wednesday, striking out the first seven batters of the game. We're not talking about him enough because he goes from a team that wasn't very good and not talked about a ton, Cincinnati Reds, to a team that still doesn't get the notoriety that I believe they should for being a really good baseball team. But he goes to the Mariners. He was the best pitcher available at the trade deadline. They lock him up. They get him in-house. Next thing you know, their rotation is dominant. Julio Rodriguez signs that massive deal. I love that deal for him. It can range anywhere from like six years to 18 years, which that's insane. They match up well with anybody. They're a really good team. They pitch really well. Their bullpen is great, and their remaining strength of schedule is easy. For that reason, and for all those reasons, my one up in the American League is the Seattle Mariners. Alex? All right. Well, my one-up is right above your one-up <laughs> on that wall right there. The, the Tampa Bay Rays, they have been on a roll the last two months. They are just tapping on the Yankees' back, on their shoulder. They turned a 15-and-a-half game gap into a five-game gap, which is huge. And They've been on a hot streak. Let me just give you this. They are 19-5 in their last 24 games, and they've allowed three runs or fewer 19 times Mm. over those 24 games. But this pitching staff deserves a lot of credit for the team's recent hot streak, all right? The team ERA is 2.64. That's first in Major League Baseball. Mm. I'm making it an all-kind-of-sports show today. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, what's coming out of my mouth here? Uh, and that's since August 1st. So they are they are on a roll. But there's also a notable time that all this kind of started to, you know, that August 1st. What 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 date is that close to? August 1st? Kind of close to the trade deadline mm. when they traded for veteran David Peralta, Jose Siri. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when things really started to kick it into high gear. Plus... They should be getting some more notable guys back. They're getting Franco, Glasnow, McClanahan. All should be coming back soon, and they get another shot at the Yankees this weekend. So I'm feeling pretty up I like on the that. Tampa Bay Rays. I like that a lot. 
Um, 15 and a half game lead. Now, I don't know if I'm willing to claim this yet, but yep. if it were to happen, hmm. if your one up were to win the division, Whoa. it would be the biggest division lead blown in the history of Major League Baseball. Behind only your Dodgers. <laughs> one one of yeah. your one of one of, one of your teams. Yep. The Dodgers, which, you know, you probably remember that well. That was in nineteen fifty one. Oh yeah, yeah. They no, blew no, no. their like fifteen game lead. Yeah, yeah, so that. you had just been born, so you might not <laughs> quite remember that. Uh yeah, the Rays are rolling. Um my team that I am down on, my one down in the American League is the White Sox. And this pains me to say because I have held on hope that they would figure it out for much of the season. And I am officially letting go of that hope. I, I, I'm done with it. I am done with them. I am disappointed. In fact, they are playing better baseball now. And the division is within reach. So when I talk about the White Sox, it's not for this AL wildcard picture. The only way they get in is through the division because they're currently seven and a half games behind the Toronto Blue Jays, who are 76 and 60. They're seven and a half games behind them for the final wild card spot. The White Sox last season had the best home record in the American League. They were 53 and 28. 53 and 28. This year, at home, they are 34 and 36, below 500. For a team that is so freaking talented, it's so frustrating that the White Sox can't just figure it out. And Tony Larusa steps away for a little while. And look, I, I think we're all in agreement here, maybe beside the owner and Tony Larusa, that he might not be the best fit for this team. Everybody is in agreement there. He is named the manager. He hasn't done great. He's continued to not do well this year. He steps away. He has to take a leave of absence for a little while. Guess what? The team's playing well in that time. Now, hopefully, as all is all is okay with Tony LaRusso, obviously. But then he's expected to come back. And I, I just truly believe this team that is full of so much talent isn't led by the right guy. And I think that is a big problem there in Chicago. The rest of the team, uh, I get tired of hearing the injury excuse with a team. At a certain point, you have to stop making excuses about injuries and just win ball games. And they're not doing that either. It's been frustrating. They have a negative 26 run differential this season. Minus 26. They are the only team in all of Major League Baseball with a winning record, albeit 69 and 68, and a negative run differential. So they are close there, within reach of the division, behind a not super hot right now Guardians team. But look, they've been a very surprised team and playing good baseball all year long, and behind the Twins. Will they figure it out? I'm I'm done thinking so. They're now behind two teams, the Guardians and the Twins. Two teams to jump, not a ton of time to do it. Nothing to this point this year has made me say, you know what, you know who I believe in? It's the White Sox. So for me, the team I am down on in the American League is the Chicago White Sox. Now let me just say, I think that can go for 
all the teams atop the AL Central. Because right now, the <laughs> AL Central is up for grabs. Yes. My team that I am down on are the Guardians. So mm. let, let, let's talk about Cleveland here, right? Okay, because they had a four-game lead at the start of the week. Now they just have a two-game lead ahead of the White Sox and the Twins. And this league, this, this division is up for grabs. Nobody wants to win it. Nobody fact. wants to win. They've struggled <laughs> recently. The Guardians have gone four and nine over their last 13 games, and they have suffered some serious lack of power this season. You guys, they have hit only 102 home runs this season. That's 29th in Major League Baseball, and they rank 26th in slugging percentage. Hmm. Not a lot of power going on there. However, this is kind of their maybe their their beacon of hope, their beacon of light, is 12 <laughs> of their next 15 games are division games against the White Sox and the Twins. So it's going to come down for them and this division to this these, these this last month. Yeah. And these last couple of series, the good news is they do well against both the teams. And as of now, they're 6-5 and five against the Twins and 9-6 and six against the White Sox this season. But nothing really wowy. There hasn't been a wow. They're in first place, but it's not – a confident first place, no. it, it could literally be a toss-up to any three of these teams. They're in first place because Major League Baseball says somebody has to be in first place yeah. in every division. Yeah. Not because they want to be there no. or because they're playing like they want to be there. And they're 29th, like you said, in home runs. Yeah. I think the only team worse is my Detroit Tigers. They are. It is. That's tough. You're right. That's tough. <laughs> Hopefully that might be a trivia question because I feel like I would get that one mm. right. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's transition over to the National League side of things and take a look here at this wild card race. The Atlanta Braves, the Phillies, the Padres, followed by the Brewers and the Giants are on the outside looking in. So the Braves holding down that top spot with the Mets right there. The, the NL East division second place team will probably be getting that top spot, followed by the Phillies and the Padres. My one up in the National League, and this could be a little surprising, is the San Diego Padres, Whoa. who have not been very good. In fact, there's a producer on Flippin' Bats. His name's Taylor. You guys might know him. He's a big Padres fan, <laughs> and he is down on this team. <laughs> and when I say down, I mean he is miserable walking in here talking some Padres baseball. But I'm going to be the beacon of hope here because we're just both beacons of hope. For Did I say beacon of light? Did I, did I, I get it wrong? Said I said beacon said of light. Hope. Who knows? You'd be easier on yourself. Words are hard today. Um, I I believe in this Padres team. Now, let me explain. It, things have not been pretty since the trade deadline where they were the clear winners, so we thought, of the trade deadline. They acquire at the buzzer Juan Soto, Josh Hader, Josh Bell, Brandon Drury. Well, Josh Hader was a little before the buzzer, but all these names are big-time players, big-time acquisitions. But Juan Soto is the name. This was one of the biggest trades of all time. And you just think, okay, are the Padres going to win the division? No. But is this team about to take off and take one of the top spots in the National League wildcard race? Yes. They've done the opposite. They have been the definition of mediocre since that trade. And yes, they've done some things well in that time. Since the Juan Soto trade, a guy that just gets on base more than ever, they've led baseball in walks, which great. You know, I'm sure Taylor's not like, oh, great, we're leading in walks. Throw the parade now. <laughs> no, but that's a good sign. All right. So this team is just far too talented to be playing 500 baseball. 
They will figure it out. I do believe that. They continue to win close games despite Josh Hader's struggles until the last couple of outings he's been better. But back into the bullpen has been a big issue for them. Despite that, the Padres continue to win close games. They're an MLB best 27-13 and 13 in one-run games this season. That's a good sign. You Darvish, been fantastic. Another win on Wednesday, his 13th win of the season. Since the All-Star break, Darvish is 5-3 with a 3.1 ERA, 68 strikeouts, and 12 walks. So Manny Machado has continued to do what he's been doing all year. You have to imagine Juan Soto is going to heat up and not just get on base via walks. He's going to rake coming down the stretch. Look, this is a big transition for him. Going from a team that it's all he's known in his career, he won a World Series there in Washington. Now this team this year wasn't playing for anything. They were awful, and all of a sudden it's, hey, you're one of the biggest trade pieces of all time. You're being traded to the Padres. You need to perform and go in. That's a lot of pressure. It just is. So I am up on the Padres because they are far too talented. I believe they will click and kick it into gear at the right time. In fact, they're about to start a series at home against the Dodgers, and if there were ever a good time to announce, hey, we are real, it's in that series. So we'll see what happens. I My one up is the Padres. We'll get back to the Padres in just a second because I'm going to start with my up. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right. Vern. All right, so my up is the Phillies. I feel like I am willing this, this up because the Phillies – have not reached the postseason since 2011. That is the longest drought in the National League and the second longest in Major League Baseball. And right now, they are tied with the Padres for the second wild card spot, four-game lead over the Brewers. I like to think they just got an extra little bit of energy getting Bryce Harper back, which is big, having a leader, having someone like that in the clubhouse, in the dugout. Now, since the All-Star break, their major league rankings, they are first in team batting average, fourth in slugging, and fifth in on-base percentage. So they're looking strong. We all know about their September woes. Woes. Their September-October woes, especially the last four seasons. They seem like they're going to get to the postseason, and then just something happens, Mm -hmm. and they crash and burn. So I'm willing this into the opposite direction here. I think they're going to get there. They're also getting Zach Wheeler and Zach Eflin back, hopefully soon. They're right there on the horizon, which would be a huge thing for the team. Sosa's had some great energy. Harper's 4-1 and one at home since he came back late August. My, my up is the Phillies. You know, I like that. And mostly it's because I like to support you. So I oh. had a different up. Um, You had a different up, but I like yours, and I feel like you're not going to go in that direction um, as supporting me. So (laughs) uh, we'll see here in just a minute. Let's go to the down. My down, the team I am just out on and do not believe in in the National League is the Milwaukee Brewers, and I could talk about them for an hour straight. I am so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. And I was so disappointed at the trade deadline when they did nothing. In fact, they got a little bit worse. They had one of the best closers in baseball who wasn't closing. He wasn't doing great. They get rid of Josh Hader. Their weakness is their offense. They have great pitchers. 
Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. Then the back into the bullpen, they had Josh Hader and Devin Williams. Their offense was a massive issue. You know what they did at the trade deadline? They got rid of their closer, and they added no offense. They deserve to lose this division. At the time, they had a division lead of three or four games. They are now nine and a half games out of first place. And just over, what, and just about two months, they have gone from leading the division by four games to nine and a half games out of the division lead behind the Cardinals. They are a disappointment. They did this to themselves. I am down on them. They, I've been down on them since the trade deadline, and I'm just really frustrated because I wanted to see this team in the playoffs. I believed in them. I think they needed to go add another bat. They needed to add a couple bats to the trade deadline. They didn't do it. They got worse, and it has shown. It is an embarrassment what the Milwaukee Brewers did at the trade deadline and have done the second half of this season. They're far too talented for that. I am down on them. <sighs> all right, deep breath. Deep yeah, I, got, breath. I got all fired up. I know. You might get a little more fired up here because I am down on your up. <laughs> Where do I even begin with the San Diego Padres? I had huge, high, high hopes for the Padres with a record-breaking, one of the biggest mid-season acquisitions, mm -hmm. trades that I can remember happening. They were supposed to be great, right? They were supposed to compete with L.A. and the Dodgers and make a really strong run. <clears throat> well, they are 15-16 and 16 over the last 31 games. And, oh, let me just – let me update you here on how they're – they're new guys. Start with Juan, Juan Soto, the big name there, right? Okay, he's in the middle of a two-for-28 slump over his last nine games. He left Wednesday's game in the fifth after getting hit by a fastball and hasn't really been able to put together a strong stretch since he showed up in San Diego. Let's move on to Josh Bell. He is hitting just 193 with the Padres That's when he was great. hitting 301 with the Nationals this season. Also not great. Not great. You mentioned uh, Josh Hader. No, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, 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 you're going to hear it. Even after a scoreless <laughs> appearance and save on Wednesday, he has a 15.62 ERA in 10 appearances with San Diego. Uh-huh. These were supposed to be the difference makers. Yeah. And they are not sitting well. I'm not mad. I am disappointed. And you know what? They have the third toughest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball, including two more series against the Dodgers. How do they do against the Dodgers? Hmm. I don't know. Three and ten versus L.A. this season. Not looking good. They are hanging on to that third wild card spot. So I'm excited in just a minute. We have a great guest about to join us here to talk some some more wild card races. But before we do that, your one down is the Padres. Yep. Okay. They have a four-game lead over the team looking up at them. Yep. So they are holding a playoff spot. My question to you, Alex, is does this do mean you do not have the Padres making the playoffs? I do have I, – I do believe they will make the playoffs. I am just down on them. Okay, so I, I am disappointed. So many people them. are probably asking, how down are you really on them if you think they make the playoffs? And I'd be one of those people. Okay, but, um, fine. I'm a little, I am disappointed as well, by the way. But I just I, – I, I see what you did. 
I went up because I believe in their future. You went down because you're disappointed in them. And yeah. That's, we, yeah. It's okay. That's that's totally okay. Thank you. Um. So that is one up, one down. Teams we believe in and teams that we don't. But I am excited now to bring in a guest. She does some fantastic writing for us, Major League Baseball writing for FoxSports.com. Disha Thosar. Disha, thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for joining me. How are you? Of course. I'm great, Ben. How are you? I am great. So you cover the New York teams, Mets, Yankees. You're also covering the NL East race, which is an unbelievable race right now. But I want to start with uh, the Mets, one of the teams you cover there in New York. Uh, we'll get this out of the way first. This team is built uh, built around a few guys, but their, their statement pieces, they have Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom at the top of that rotation. Max Scherzer is now on the I.L., uh, retro to a few days ago. So can you give me an update on where Max Scherzer stands? What can we expect? What is wrong with him? And uh, and how's when can we expect him back? Sure, yeah. Max is, he's been going through some left side issues uh, ever since his last start. He said it popped up on Saturday when he was on the mound and uh, it kind of just wasn't going away, which was obviously concerning for him only because he had that left uh, strain, uh, oblique strain, um, back in May, and that caused him to miss seven weeks of the season. And when Scherzer went on the IL, I, I spoke in length to him in May when he was really beating himself up about not taking himself out of that start sooner. And he thinks he basically caused that strain to get much worse and it could have been prevented. Uh, so I do think what the way he handled that situation a few months ago is in the back of his mind now as he battles these left side issues. The Mets are calling it irritation, fatigue. Uh, I think really it's probably a a minor strain that isn't going to really affect him as much as he hopes it will on the mound, but the Mets are not going to call it that at this late in the season, especially. So yeah. the hope is that this stay on the, on the IL for him, uh, these 15 days will sort of clear it up and, and he'll be ready to go. But it uh, really is anyone's guess how much this will impact him going forward. I think there's a real concern here that, that it yeah. could pop back up and, and turn into something more serious, especially if they're sort of, rushing him back uh, already with promising that he'll stay only 15 days on the IL and, and come back right after that. Of course, he's very important uh, to what the Mets want to do in the playoffs. So it, it's important for the Mets to, to get him right. So this is the same thing that plagued him in May, just hopefully not near as serious. But uh, he said at the time he was frustrated with himself for not taking himself out and being more cautious with it. This is basically him saying, I was more cautious with it this time. Hopefully it's not as serious as it was then and not near as much time will be missed. That's the hope. Yes, exactly. And he was very upfront about how he's proud of the way that he handled it. He has no regrets <laughs> about the way that he handled it. So I think this is a, a sort of turnaround for him in just a growth and reaction standpoint of of learning from it because he really beat himself up uh, these past few months in, in the way that he can't even, he said he, he this last week, he said, if I didn't take myself out of this start, I, I couldn't look the guys in the face and and say that I'm doing my best to help the team. So I think that factor is is at least uh, mentally weighing the most on his mind. And, and yeah, all, all signs are pointing to this being not as significant injury as, as a full on, uh, oblique strain. This is, he said his left side just feels achy. Uh, if he had to, he could pitch through it. Um, all of these things of course are things you say in September when your team is in a pennant race and, and he knows he's important to, to everything the Mets uh, want to achieve going down the stretch here. 
Disha, this could be a two-part question, one from the player's perspective and one from the fans. But what is the vibe in Queens these days? They've been a fantastic team, one of the elite teams in baseball all year long. Max Scherzer goes down. The Atlanta Braves have dwindled the lead down from double digits to a tie in the division, not from anything the Mets have done, just from how good the Braves have been playing. And is there some worry? Is there some concern? Or is there confidence going on in Queens? First off, from in the clubhouse and then the the fan perspective in Queens. Yeah, I think this is, at least for me, covering this team for the last four years, it's a complete uh, change from from what they were going through, that vibe in the clubhouse at this time last year. Similar position where the Braves were, again, threatening to take first place from them. Eventually, the Braves did it. Um, and even now, a couple days ago, they they tied first place with the Mets, the Braves. And and it was really the onus is on the Mets here to show fans and and every, even prove to themselves that this is not last year. And they did that yesterday with their doubleheader sweep over the Pirates. I think their schedule obviously lends a hand to them right now in getting over this hump. But vibe-wise, even when they lost those three straight, two to the Nationals, one to the Pirates, worst teams in baseball sitting right in the basement, nothing had changed in that clubhouse. And I think that is a obviously attributed to Buck Showalter, who has really kept this team in a, in a good mindset all year, but also the veterans on staff who know exactly when to kind of start paying attention to that outside outside noise and start looking at the standings and maybe start worrying about the Braves. But for the Mets, the, the Braves have been on their tail all season, and mm-hmm. the, that's that's really been their own their only uh, problem this season. The, the Mets have been playing much better baseball, uh, even compared historically to, to the franchise, and they've been compared to 86 teams and early thousands teams, and, and that's really what they are, I think, at the core of this team. And if they take care of business, I think they will – end up winning the division but it's obviously it's not only on them the the Braves are pressuring from the outside but I think the Mets to your point have have done a really good job of controlling that that vibe inside and and keeping a really steady pace they're really not paying attention uh, to Twitter as much to to all of that outside noise I think they're keeping all of that in check I think they are a great team and I've been saying it all year long the Mets aren't gonna met and people need to stop saying that uh, but I think the vibe of my, I was watching a game the other day and there was a fan on being interviewed and he was like, we can't hit and the Braves can't lose. Same old story. And I'm just like, oh, God, you'll be just fine. Uh, I One last question about the Mets, because I can't not talk about Jacob deGrom when I talk about the Mets, because what he has done since he has come back is, well, I, I guess he's been Jacob deGrom, which is the best pitcher in baseball. Talk about his performance once he has gotten healthy and come back and what he has meant to this team and this clubhouse, just having him back out on the field and in the locker room with them. Yeah, I think DeGrom always stabilizes the Mets, no matter where they are in the standings. Of course, his Cy Young season in, in 2018 came in a year where the Mets were awful, and, and that was DeGrom was always the focus and the excitement and flushing. And then same thing in 2019, they didn't make the playoffs again, but DeGrom was the excitement and the focus. And this time, the difference is that the team is exciting on its own, and now here's DeGrom, this ace, this star, who's going to carry them to, to that finish line, they hope. And, and that's exactly what he's 
doing. He's been completely electric, completely lights out, exactly back to his ways. If someone woke up from a coma today and you told them he was out for the last year, he missed a year plus of the season, I think it would be hard to believe just in the way that he's picked up exactly where he's left off. There are, are some moments where our little underground like, and really all that is is like one bad slider out of the <laughs> other hundred that are, are good. So really, I think he's set the bar so high for himself that that little things like that can be nitpicky almost for like, oh, he wasn't on his game today. But if you look at the the scorecard, it's like 12 Ks and, and a one something ERA. So he is exactly the reason that the Mets hope he stays this way, stays healthy is uh, almost the most important. But for me, I think what's interesting with DeGrom is even when he says something is not feeling a hundred percent, the results are always 100%. So I think, uh, especially down this stretch and, and with the, this pennant race, so important, he's, he's only going to step it up, which is really scary. I think for opposing teams that he isn't even his best yet. This is him just getting started this season. So this NL East race is probably the best divisional race in baseball. And, and one question here about the Braves, had you said in, in April that the Braves and Mets would be tied and the Braves would cut down a lead from double digits and tie the Mets, and it's because of Spencer Strider and Michael Harris II, people would have been like, what are you talking about? But how much <laughs> is that the case? How vital of a role have the rookies, not just those two, but the other young guys for the Atlanta Braves, played a role into where they are right now? Yeah, the Braves have two of the rookies who are in the Rookie of the Year conversation and exactly those guys, Spencer Strider and Michael. And it really, I think it goes to show just how much the Braves are doing a good job of homegrown talent in a really Dodger-like way, which is what every team in MLB like wants to be like, is just to be the Dodgers. And the Braves are kind of doing it right before our eyes and already start like signing these stars to long-term deals like they did with Harris. Uh, and I think that is exactly the the key here to their madness is, is growing these talents, homegrown, making sure that they right off the bat are, are producing for them and then kind of catching that fire while they are and, and signing them long-term. And then of course, that's only going to add confidence to the player on the field and all of this is kind of adding up to their magic sauce right the magic yep. sauce that they've been on the the Mets tail all year they're always a threat of course they won last year and Freddie Freeman isn't even on the team Matt Olson slipped in right into that role and in that way I think they're they're always if they're setting themselves up to be always in the conversation now going forward and maybe next season it won't be as surprising when you tell That's Braves true. fans in April Spencer Strider and Michael <laughs> Harris are, are helping you out in a pennant down the line. Uh, switching gears from the National League to the American League, Aaron Judge, um, pretty good year, you might have heard. Um, he is on a tear, a, a historic one, and he is now six away from tying Roger Maris, seven away from breaking Roger Maris's all-time New York Yankees single-season home run record. How much pressure is on him in the New York circle, how much pressure is being put on him by just people talking to him about it from his teammates, from fans? What's the vibe around Aaron Judge right now as he marches towards history? Yeah, I think the outside pressure is the most we'll ever see in a, in a New York market. And that's even hard to quantify because there's always so much pressure on big sure. stars. But 
listen, if judge didn't want it, he could have accepted that offer that the Yankees gave him at the start of this season. Instead, he bet on himself um, and he added that pressure and, and he truly doesn't care. And even right now, you can ask him about the home run race, breaking Maris's record, uh, and he shuts it down immediately. And of course, this is his public comments. He's, of course, thinking about all of these records. And, and as of yet, he has not shown that pressure. Um, I think it will be extremely interesting as we get closer to that 61 number, whether he starts to feel it whether he goes into sort of a freeze and uh, his production drops but from what we've seen of him all year there are going to be no signs of that and personally I, I like to compare exactly what he's doing to what Roger Maris did which was break Babe Ruth's record 61 years ago but with also that immense pressure and pure hatred from the Yankees fan base they did not want him to do it they wanted Mickey Mantle to to topple that record Maris was out here smoking three packs of cigarettes a day losing his hair <laughs> like it it was it was a lot and you could see it and, and that's exactly what judge is not doing if maybe he is i don't know maybe after games in, in the back he's smoking cigarettes three packs a day but <laughs> clearly that is he's as cool as a cucumber so we wouldn't even know it disha i think you make a great point of yeah there might be a lot of pressure around him but i think we saw that he'll take on all the pressure from earlier this year when he turned down the contract and said i'm going to bet on myself um that's quite the bet and uh, quite the pressure you're putting on yourself so uh, I don't think this is going to get to him. So my last question for you, probably the most loaded one for you, is does he get it done? Does Aaron Judge break the record? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's going to break it. Um, again, I think maybe we'll see maybe a one to two game sort of lockup, maybe freeze if that. But I think he's not only going to break it, he might get to like 65 at this point. Um, and everyone will be happy at 61, 62. But yeah, I think uh, the sky's the limit. And especially with the way the Yankees are performing right now, that makes Aaron Judge even more propelled to step up to the plate and help them out and put some wins on the board. So if the if maybe if the Yankees were flying high like they were in the first half, the pressure might be more on him to to perform and break that record. But I think his mindset is helping the team at all costs. And it's kind of working a, to his personal favor. Yankees fans aren't obviously liking what's going on with the team recently, but but it is helping uh, Judge put up those numbers that he is right now. Disha, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a blast of a conversation. Everybody, make sure you check out her work on the Fox Sports app, the website, wherever it may be. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll have to do this again. Of course. Thanks, Ben. Of course. See ya. All right, Alex. That was a great talk. She's she's great. I like her. I'm imagining just players after games, just packing, like smoking three packs a day back there. I'm like, okay, hidden. Yeah, I'm now imagining Aaron Judge yeah. hitting two homers in a game, and just being yeah. like, Shh, yeah. I need a break. Yeah. Um, that didn't all right. happen. Pick to click. Yeah. Pick to click time. This is our first. Uh, so we're gonna go mano y mano for. Every Thursday now, you have a pick to click. I have a pick to click, and we will see what comes true and 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 what doesn't. And I will be rooting for you, even though it doesn't appear you're rooting for me and what I do. But um, you know, you, I, I mean, it would kind of be equal. We we both <laughs> went against each other. Yeah, that's so true. So it's an equal. It's not me against you. All right, fair. Yeah. All right, what is your pick to click for this week? All right, I am going with the home run record chasers so it's a double the double here okay okay first daily double, daily double. i believe that pujols is going to hit another home run this week mm-hmm. tying him with a rod getting him to home run 696 mm-hmm. i also believe that aaron judge is going to hit three more home runs whoa three more home Woo-hoo-hoo! runs this week 
Turn All right. up the heat. I know. I like that. That's where I'm at. We're going to get one from Pujols, and we're going to get three from Aaron Judge this week. That is how you start Pick to Click with an exclamation. For those that aren't fully aware, this is the Thursday show. Hopefully you know that part at least. But every Thursday, Pick to Click. So this is that it needs to happen between right now as we speak and next Thursday when we sit down to do this. So there is a one-week span where this needs to get done. So Alex has Pujols hitting one and tying A-Rod, and Aaron Judge hitting three more and being well on his way to breaking the Yankees record. Mine, I'm going to stick with these Mariners, who we know are my one-up. They are the team I believe in in the American League that will get it done. I believe Julio Rodriguez will become the third rookie in history to go 25-25. 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases. Now, he is two home runs away from getting this done and a stolen base. So in the week, he needs two homers and a stolen base to become the third player in history, the third rookie in history to go 25-25 behind Mike Trout and Chris Taylor. This is a home run week. Yeah, home run. We're, We're just praying. We're praying for dingers. Yes. Yeah. Chris Young. Sorry, I messed that up. Chris Young, not Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor's on my mind. Just I, I played with Chris Taylor, by the way, for the Dodgers. Um, nice. Played with him in travel ball. But so, no, it's not Chris Taylor. It's Chris <laughs> Young back in 2007. Mike Trout and Chris Young. Julio Rodriguez joins that grouping. So, all right. I like it. I like where we are. I like our pick to clicks. Now it is time. This is going to be fun. I'm going to head on over here to the board. Alex is going to join me. As you guys know, because of Alex's shirt, if you didn't know, now you know. This is the beginning of football season. Today is Thursday. The kickoff (sighs) between the Rams and the Bills is tonight. Now, this isn't a football show. It's a baseball show. But what Alex and I are going to do is a fantasy football draft, but for baseball players, if you will. So this is the flippin' fantasy football draft where we are going to take football (laughs) players and draft them onto our baseball teams. And I believe I get the first pick. You get get the first pick. 1-1 is is me because I guess I just made the rules here. (laughs) So I'm going to take the first pick. No. Oh, I'm first? Alex is first. No. Okay. Okay. You're up first. I'm first? You're first. Okay. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you know this, but he was drafted by the Tigers in 2014. His dad was a former major league pitcher. So he grew up at a baseball field, in the clubhouse, in the dugout. If you watch him, his throwing style very much resembles that of a baseball player. Did I watch his high school tape last night to see how great of a baseball player he was? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And, I said, and what did you find out? I, he was pretty good. I mean, I guess he was pretty good. He's, he's a better, better football player, but he's pretty <laughs> good. Yeah, so I'm going to have him on the mound. All right. I'm going to my homeboy on the mound. We were also almost uh, teammates in the Tigers organization because he was really? drafted by the Detroit Tigers. And some are saying that he made the wrong choice. Oh. Should have gone to play for the Tigers. I mean, now um, he's also a partial owner. In a baseball Royals. team, yeah. Kansas City Royals. I think he's doing pretty Not good. Not many are saying that. I no, think it might think, just think, be me. Yeah. All right, my <laughs> first pick. First pick in the first round for myself in the flipping fantasy football draft. I am going 
with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, former first round pick of the Oakland A's. He will be an outfielder on my team. Uh, look, he's a stud, can run it down in the outfield, has a good bat, played at Oklahoma, was really good there. Uh, I actually thought he was going to sign, uh, but ended up probably making a good choice there um, and, and signing with the Cardinals. But, you know, what, whatever. Now he gets to play for, for my team, <laughs> my Flippin' Bats fantasy team. Uh, so Kyler Murray, my first overall pick. He will be an outfielder for me. And, uh, yeah, I feel good about that. <sighs> All right. Ready for my second pick? Yes. Also in the outfield, does he have any baseball experience? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> All right. I am going with Cooper Cup. Okay. You Reach. know why? Reach. Reach. Mm, okay. Oh, why? Because <laughs> I'm wearing a Ram shirt and he's the reigning Super Bowl MVP. I don't know. Reigning Offensive Player of the Year. Reigning yeah. Triple Crown winner. If there is anybody in the outfield that is going to catch something and get open, it is going to be Cooper Cup. <laughs> also, I don't know if you can tell, I'm a big Rams fan and I'm, I'm calling back to back Super Bowl champs. So I have to have him on the team. I had to have a Rams player on my team. So I'm going Cooper Cup. If there were ever somebody that I didn't know if they played baseball or not, but I need them in the outfield to catch something, it'd probably be Cooper Cup. So that's a good pick there. Um, that's your second round pick. Yep. My second round pick you will like because also a member of the Los Angeles Rams. But I need a pitcher. My pitcher and my second round pick is Matthew Stafford, quarterback for the Rams. <sighs> Um, not sure if you guys have heard. You've probably <laughs> never heard this. But he's actually good friends and high school teammates with one Clayton Kershaw. Groundbreaking news here on Flippin' Bats. But they were high school teammates. Uh, I don't know much about his pitching abilities, but I know enough to draft him in my second overall pick because, look, he's probably learned a thing or two from Clayton Kershaw, who is one of the best to do it. And, uh, yeah, I feel good about that. He can throw a football really well. And uh, if you can throw a football pretty well, I like your chances to throw a baseball, even though uh, the Verlanders are a terrible example of that. Myself and my brother <laughs> are the worst throwers of a football in history. Really? In fact, we've been on vacation before and went to throw the football on the beach, and we were so embarrassed by ourselves that we just stopped throwing the football <laughs> and went in a different direction and left the area. So not all pitchers can translate to good pitcher. Not all quarterbacks are good pitchers or vice versa. But Matthew Stafford is uh. going to be a great member of my team. He's my second pick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I, I now I need like footage. I need like no, evidence. you do not. <laughs> We're gonna bring a football to the show mm -hmm. next week. Okay, you bring you're your trumpet. Toss it to me. You bring your trumpet. Hey, we'll get to that. In a I'll bit. bring. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, <laughs> let's get to my third player who has. Probably the most baseball experience out of all these football players, and it is Russell Wilson. I didn't realize how much baseball experience he had till I did a little, little deep, well, dig, little deep dive last night. But 
He was first drafted by Baltimore in 2007, then played football and baseball at North Carolina State, drafted by the Rockies in 2010, played two seasons in the minors before getting drafted in the NFL in 2012. And you are a little familiar with Russ. Well, the, the best part, um, what many people are saying is the biggest, most uh, notoriety from his sporting career isn't, okay. isn't a Super Bowl yep. or being a two-sport Division One athlete. Okay. It's playing travel ball with me. Oh, and uh, so yeah, way back. Russell and I used to be. Oh, Russell and I were teammates. So Russell's older brother and my older brother yeah. were teammates okay. in Richmond, Virginia. And Russell and I used to grow up being like off to the side playing baseball when we were younger. And then growing up, uh, we started playing on the same travel ball team in Richmond. And then he has gone on to do big things. Big things. Big things. So good draft pick there. He is. Uh, that's a good pick. So he's an infielder for you. Um, my third pick, I'm going to go with a catcher. Somebody uh-huh. for Matthew Stafford to pitch to. If okay. My third round pick is catcher Tom Brady. Tom Brady. I don't know if anyone. Hear me out here. Okay. Tom Brady was drafted to be a catcher by none okay. other than the Montreal Expos. Okay. Because, of course, Tom Brady was drafted by the Montreal Expos. But he was. He was drafted to be a catcher. Now, you might not think that (sighs) Tom Brady's 40-whatever-year-old self, his knees might not hold up. But I'm going to put him there behind the dish. He's going to catch Matt Stafford uh, because I know he can do it. Uh, He was drafted as that. Uh, which I think I just I think it's hysterical that he was drafted by the Montreal Expos and they haven't been a team for a long, long time. Might still be a team if he was there. That's true. I, well, I, who knows? That, that is a good point. Many yeah. are saying that Tom Brady is the reason that the Expos failed in Montreal because he didn't sign there. I just can't um, believe you don't have the goat on the mound, but that's okay. It's a conversation for another time. I thought you would have said I do have the goat on the mound in Matthew oh. Stafford, but you're not. You must not be a big fan. Uh, I have the goat behind the plate. Matthew Stafford pitching. <laughs> Kyler Murray, my first overall pick in the outfield. Alex has Patrick Mahomes, Cooper Cup, and Russell Wilson, and that rounds out our flippin' fantasy football draft. Alex, take it away. What, where? Oh, now it's time for trivia. Yeah, trivia. All right. That's where we're going. Okay, That's back to our seats. Going. Are we going to our seats? We're going back to our right. seats. We're going yep. to our seats. All right, now trivia time is an interesting one because, well, this is Alex's first trivia here, but I grade myself on my own trivia, and I grade myself very hard, but sometimes with a bell curve if needed, if the class doesn't do great, which the class is just me. So... Now I'll throw it over to Alex, who is back at her beautiful desk, and uh, let's hope I do well. You know, last week, yeah. I crushed and when when nobody believed in me. What crush is what? Three? Two, two out of five? Three out of five? Is that a crush? I think it... Well, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I had uh, a lot of outside factors playing in a okay. role here. I had, uh, I had a director in my ear laughing at me, saying there's no way I'd ever get it. I have people doubting me, and when I am doubted, I do my best work. So, so. participation points. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's get started. Let's Good luck. It. Thank you. May the odds be ever in your favor. Thank you. Okay. Who holds the modern era record for most consecutive strikeouts to begin a game? 
most consecutive strikeouts to begin a game in the modern era. In the modern era. 2021. Is it Jacob deGrom? Nope. Corbin Burns? Wrong. It's the Marlins, Pablo Lopez. Nine versus the Braves in 2021. Friend of the pod, Pablo Lopez. I do remember that now that you mention it. Okay. Okay. Forgot about that. Uh, 0 for 1. Not great. Let's move on. Could have been worse. It's okay. Not really. All right. Rough start. See if you can turn it around. Okay. All right. Christian Yelich, 499-foot home run, was the second longest hit at Coors Field since 2015. Which one of his former teammates hit the longest? The longest home run at Coors Field. Christian Yelich's former teammate. Former teammate of Christian Yelich. Is it... Is it Ryan Braun? No. John Carlos Stanton. Who oh, I was thinking Brewers. 504 feet with Dang the Marlins it. on August 6, 2016. I know. I was like, how do I say it's a different team? 500. I was trying to like telepathically In fact, do that. No, I, I just saw that the other day, but my, my mind got stuck on the Brewers. And okay, 0 for 2. All right. Dang it. Ready? <laughs> Who knows? Okay. <laughs> I'm hoping you get this one. Okay. Aaron Judge is chasing the Yankees' single-season home run record, but who holds the Yankees' single-season RBI record? Think way back. Think way back. The Yankees' single-season RBI record? Big names. Babe Ruth. Lou Gehrig. Yeah. Yeah. Count it. <laughs> count it. To count? Half point? Half. Can I get the... they're, they're giving you a half. Okay. I get a full. I know. I'm the greater here. Okay, fine. <laughs> Ready for the next? Hey, that's, that's pretty good there. We went back into the Stone Ages. Well, that's and... what I said. I was like, go back. Yeah. You got a hint, too. Yeah. Go well, deep. 185 in 1931. Yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Okay. One for three. One for three. The Diamondbacks. Zach Allen has a current scoreless inning streak of 41.1 innings. Who holds the longest scoreless inning stretch in MLB history at 59 innings? I thought you were going to ask in in Diamondbacks history. It's Brandon Webb. 59 all time. How do I not know the all-time record, but I know that. Why does does Carrie Wood keeps coming to mind? Not Carrie Wood. Oral Hershire. Ah! I know. Bulldog. Yeah. Dang it. It's okay. Um, (sighs) Okay. I feel like you should get this one. Oh, great. Putting even more pressure on me. (laughs) Come on. Get one, like, right out of the gates. I think I could deserve more points for knowing that the Diamondbacks that was pretty good was Brandon that Webb. Was, that was impressive. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Ready? Yeah. Who was the first athlete to be named an All-Star in both the MLB and NFL? Dion. Bo Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That wait, because it was your second. No, no. It's one. Okay, I'm so one talking and a half through it. My, no, that, okay. that's the okay, full point. Two. 
too. Where's our? I, I don't, I'm not hearing the correct dinger in my ear like I normally do. I, I think people are <laughs> mad at me for calling them out for last week getting in my ear and, and still being correct. Okay, is that it? That's it. That's five. Okay. Yeah. So I went two for five. Yeah. Now, not 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 my best, not my worst. Um, these were these were difficult questions, despite what everybody likes to say is. This is what happens after every show. It's like, well, so-and-so knew four of the five. And Ben, I, you know, I thought they were easy. Wrong. Um, okay. Two for five. Um, I'm going to give myself a C plus. Okay. Fair. C plus. Fair? Fair. Fair. Yeah. Not a B. Not no, an A. You got a plus. a C plus. Um, all right. So that does it for trivia. And Alex, before we wrap up here. Yeah. We mentioned on an, a prior episode earlier this week just how great Timmy Trumpet, Narco, Edwin Diaz's walkout song is. And you mentioned, you mentioned here that you might even try and learn how to play. Do you have an update for me? I there? was so inspired by my favorite walkout <laughs> song, Narco. That yes, I gave it a shot. We own a recording yeah. studio, the sound engineer had a trumpet. And here's a little update of how it went. I was told I might not get sound, so I went in with very low expectations. I'm sorry if you are listening to this and not watching this. <laughs> All right. But here it. it is. I think so. Okay, so the one thing, my first lesson is what you do with your mouth when you blow <laughs> into the trumpet. Wait, mm -mm. shoot. That, right? Okay. <laughs> you can do it. She made noise. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you. If you were told by a guy that plays the trumpet yes. that you might not get sound into it, don't yes. be discouraged. I yeah. heard sound. I heard sound, and I heard some different notes there. Wasn't horrible. Wasn't great. Wasn't bad. I, I'm i doing the best I can. I've never played an, a horn instrument. I grew up playing piano, doing musical theater, singing, performing, nothing like that. So that was a first. I thought it was great. And I think you have Timmy Trumpet shaking in his boots right now, oh, worried that you're going to take over respect. his job. Like a whole different level of respect That's great. for Timmy Trumpet. I'm excited to see the progress <laughs> as we move forward. Alex, this one was a blast. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed this Thursday live episode of Flippin' Bats. Uh, if you missed it, you can listen to it. It'll be out shortly after we're recording this and then another episode coming at you tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. This one has been an absolute blast. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere. We're also on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of it. I hope you enjoyed this one. Thank you all for listening. For Alex Curry and myself, until tomorrow, 